It's a joy to be back. Um, so how old were you in 1988? I was 33. Okay? I was 33. How old were you in 1988? Federica? She was 18. 18 and 88? Okay. Doing crazy stuff. How old were you, Blessing? Minus five. Minus five. Okay. He was very young. He was very young. You say, well, who cares, right? Well, the only reason I'm asking is a song came out in 1988, September of 1988, by Bobby McFerrin. And it became very popular. It went to number one around the world in most places. Uh, the song was Don't Worry, Be Happy. Do you know this song? Have you heard this song? Don't Worry, Be Happy. It's a catchy little tune. Uh, uh, it's a fun song. But there's you know, not much there. I mean... He says, don't worry, be happy. I mean, there's not really anything to stand on. He just says, don't worry, be happy. I mean, one of the lines is this. Uh, the landlords say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what, what does that mean? How does that help me? Right? If my landlord is about to litigate, uh, it's like a lot of advice we get from the world. Uh, it's kind of flashy and it's maybe got a good beat, but um, uh, there's no meat there. No meat there. Um, it's cotton candy. It's all air and sugar. Don't worry, be happy. But I was, as I thought about that, I, I realized the Lord has liberated us, right? If you're a Christian tonight, if you're born again, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been liberated from worry. Nobody in here worries, right? We don't worry. Right? The Lord has uh, called us not to worry. In fact, He has commanded us not to worry. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says it six times. Do not be anxious. How many of you have been anxious this week? How many of you look out into 2014 and you're anxious already? <laughs> Uh, probably some of us have. You may remember, I'm just going to repeat to you the six things Jesus said. Don't be anxious for your life. He says, don't be anxious for what you shall eat. Don't be anxious for what you shall drink. Don't be anxious for what you shall wear. Don't be anxious about your lifespan. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. Now, Jesus is obviously better than Bobby McFerrin. He doesn't just command us to do a thing. He gives us a reason why we can do the thing. It's much better than don't worry, be happy. Jesus says, don't worry. Why? Because your God is awesome. In effect, this is what the Lord Jesus says to us. He says, do not keep worrying. Why? Why can you be free from worry and anxiety and fear in 2014? Jesus says it because your Father knows everything that you need. Right? Do you believe Him, beloved? Do you believe your Father knows what you need? Then why are you worrying about it? You know, worry is a sin. Let's just say what it is. You need, if, you, if you're a worrying person, you need, you need to... Uh, this is, Karen and I have this code with, with each other, right? When, like when I'm saying too much to her about something and I'm, I'm revisiting an old you know, problem, I'll just, she'll go... You know, you just, we just got to let go of it, beloved. Let go of it. 
I want to challenge you to let go of your worry and your anxiety in this new year. Jesus says, I'm going to combine Matthew 6 and Luke 12 here. What's the remedy? What's Jesus' full prescription for not, for not worrying? Okay, you'll get it. You'll know this. What does He say? What's the prescription? Seek ye first what? Some tranquilizers, right? Some therapy, right? Some counseling, right? What does He say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all this stuff that you worry about, it'll be taken care of. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you every good thing. You know, a lot of Christians just don't dwell on this. They don't meditate on this. They just don't think deeply about it. That their Father knows! And their Father is God! And He's a promise-keeping God. Don't worry, be happy. It's a catchy little song. But what I want to say to you, Christian, is don't worry, trust your God in 2014. Don't worry, trust your God. Now that's something you can build your life upon. Last week, we talked uh, about the fact that we can live our faith huge. And we can do this without fear and anxiety because Hebrews 11.6 is true every single day. God is God, and God is good. You may remember those are the two truths that we pulled out of Hebrews 11.6. Because God is God and God is good, we can live our Christianity as big as we dare in every sphere of our life. Right? Without worry, without anxiety, in our singleness, in our sexual purity, in our marriage, in our money, in our church, in our careers, in our studies, in our leisure, in our serving and loving and praying and repenting and giving, etc., etc., etc. Beloved, we have license to do these things because our God is God. Our God is good. And I'm going I'm to emphasize tonight that what you already know, it's implied in the fact that God is good. God is faithful. He's a promise keeper, right? He's a promise keeping God. He never doesn't keep a promise. All you have to do is read your Bible. I love Psalm 8110b. The Lord says, I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I love that verse. I love the implied invitation of that verse. I love the implication for my life in that verse. It's not merely don't worry and be happy. It's don't worry. Your God is awesome. Open and receive. Open your mouth wide and receive the goodness of God. As a believer, this verse, the Psalm 81.10, it reminds me never to believe or pray or think or plan or live or dream small. You know, I, I think a lot of us are guilty as Christians. I know I am. And the Lord challenges me on this on a regular basis. Stop praying so small. Stop thinking so small. Stop repenting so small. Stop giving so small. Stop serving so small. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of we hang back sometimes and we're kind of careful with ourselves sometimes. And, and the Lord's calling us you know, as we talked about last week, we are free. We are free to be radical disciples. We are free to do Hebrews 11. 
we are free because He's an awesome God. So as I said earlier, I just want to buttress the fact that what we talked about, it just seemed right as I was asking the Lord. I believe He's leading me to preach Galatians, so we'll begin Galatians in in a week or two. Possibly we may start next week. But you know, when I'm between books, the Lord gives me latitude and, and I try to hear the Spirit of God and what He wants me to say to you, what you need to hear, what I need to hear. And He wanted me to remind you for 2014 that He's a faithful God. That He can be trusted. Every day you get up in 2014, He is a good God and He is a faithful God. Most of you have heard me speak of George Mueller. One of my favorite characters in the history of the church, 19th century minister in England. Mueller loved Psalm 81.10 as well. And on December 5th, 1835, he wrote this in his journal. This Scripture, Psalm 81.10, came alive to me today. I was led to apply it to the orphan house and ask the Lord for a building for 1,000 pounds and suitable individuals to take care of the children. Some of you know, if you've read his little, this is a, just an abbreviated biography of, of Mueller. Um, just excerpts from his journal, basically, with, with a narrative telling his life story. But the Lord used Mueller to supply and educate and feed and clothe and evangelize 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. And Mueller did all this uh, with massive fundraising. Wrong. Mueller did this on his knees. He never asked anyone for a penny. He simply asked God and God provided. Mueller said the reason he did this was not simply to alleviate the suffering of the orphans, but the suffering of the orphans in the 19th century in London were great. That wasn't the principal reason. It was a reason. It wasn't the principal reason. The principal reason he got into this ministry was to show the faithfulness of God. Beloved, your life is supposed to show the faithfulness of God. My, my life is supposed to show the faithfulness of of God. I just want to read an excerpt to you from uh, his journal. It's dated February 8, 1842. He writes this. February 8, 1842. There's enough food in all the houses for the meals of today, but we have not been able to buy any bread and there's not enough money to buy milk for tomorrow morning. Coal is also needed in two houses. Indeed, as far as I know, we were never in greater poverty. I want you to hear what he says. But I am fully assured that the Lord will not leave us. It's, it's not, don't worry, be happy. It's don't worry, my God's awesome. Don't worry, my God's faithful. Don't worry, my God's good, right? That evening, he writes, the Lord has not yet come with what we need for tomorrow. Before 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, we need more money to be able to buy milk Truly, we are poorer than we have ever been, but through the grace of God, but, but by the grace of God, He has allowed me not to look at the meager supply or the empty purse, but to look at the riches of an Almighty God. Don't you love that? Don't you love it? <laughs> he's, not, he's not looking at the obstacle. What's He looking at? He's looking at God. He's looking at God. We'll come back, we'll come back to Mueller. Uh, a little bit later and finish that episode because I want you to hear what happens. They didn't have enough milk. They didn't have enough coal. He's probably got 2,000 orphans at this time. He may not have that many yet. 
But he used to run around 2,000 to 2,500 at a time. And uh, so a lot of responsibility on this man. You know, Mueller did not dislike the times that God tried his faith. And I just want to share this with you. This is something he, he wrote at another time. Truly, it is worth being poor and greatly tried in faith for the sake of having such precious daily proof of the loving interest which our kind Father takes in everything that concerns us. Mueller did not mind when it was hard. He didn't mind when it was hard. He trusted God when it was hard. <laughs> and we said it last week, some of you are going to have some hard days in 2014. Some of us will have hard days. In this life, you will have trouble. Jesus said it. We know it's true. We've read our Bibles. We know we're not exempt from trials and difficulties. We get that. We're not name it and claim it. We're not prosperity preachers. We're not that. That's antithetical to biblical teaching. We don't teach that here. We teach a sovereign God who is sufficient in the hard day. When it's hard, our God is sufficient. This is what Mueller's saying. My God is sufficient. Even when it is hard. As you know, one of my favorite names for, for God is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. My favorite translation of Jehovah Jireh is the Lord will see to it. Mueller believed that. That's why he could administer and oversee this huge ministry that he had. This giant ministry that the Lord entrusted to him. He believed that the Lord would see to it. God says, I am God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's what Mueller did. He opened his mouth wide and God filled him up with all that he needed. Mueller was so confident in the promises of God that he was willing to take on the responsibility of 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. Now, that's huge, beloved. Isn't that huge? Isn't that huge? That's amazing. I mean, I, I'm in awe of that. And, and I'm humbled by that. Um, but this is what he did. Mueller opened wide and God did the rest. So I'm going to ask you as we enter 2014, how will you take God at His Word this year and act upon it in this new year? How will you, uh, in your life, how will you put God's faithfulness on display in 2014? How will your life shout that my God is God, my God is good, my God is faithful? How will your life shout that to your wife, your, your husband, your children, your friends, your neighbors, your, your co-workers, your fellow students at the university? How will your life shout that, beloved? How will you open your mouth wide and trust the Lord to give you all that you need? You know, we're not supposed to just sing about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. What does God expect you to do? He expects you to go out there and live like that's true. You know, that's probably your best evangelism. It's that people can see that God is God. They can see it in how you live. They can see it in how you talk. They can see that God is good. They can see that God is faithful by the way that you live. God is a trustworthy God. He, it's all over the pages of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. He is a trustworthy 
God. And as I said to you earlier, there is that uh, the verse that is probably the most famous verse, the most well-known verse about the faithfulness of God. It's in the middle of a dirge. Jerusalem is under siege by the Babylonians. Jeremiah had told the Jews that judgment would come because of their high-handed sin against God. He had told them that it would come, and it has come in the person of the Babylonian army. Listen to just some of the words from Lamentations. Some of the phrases that Jeremiah uses. He talks about loneliness. He talks about widows, forced labor, bitter weeping. He talks about no comfort. He talks about defeat, exile, affliction, harsh servitude, mourning, desolation, groaning, bitterness, terror, captivity, homelessness, calamity, faintness of heart, ruin, slaughter, and death. Most of you will not face anything so dire in 2014. But this is where Jeremiah is. And shockingly, <laughs> shockingly, are you shocked? Maybe you're not shocked. Maybe you know God so well, you are not shocked that in the middle of a dirge, Jeremiah proclaims the greatness and faithfulness of God. That's what you do, right? <laughs> On your hard day. Right? Be honest. Maybe not sometimes, huh? Beloved, I want to challenge you. When it gets hard in 2014, I want you to remember Lamentations 3. I want you to remember Jeremiah. I want you to remember that in the few verses right before uh, our subject text tonight, he says, I'm filled with bitterness. I've forgotten happiness. My strength has perished. You know, I always say to you that bad theology hurts people. Bad theology hurts people. And when the crisis comes, many professed Christians, they let their circumstance, and I'm going to say this about three or four times, they let their circumstance dictate their view of God. I see this all the time. Well, someone's view of God's changed because their circumstances changed. Have you heard this before? Well, He must not be good or He wouldn't let this happen. He must not be omnipotent or this would have never happened. He must not be faithful or this would surely never have happened. I, I hear it many times as a pastor. Beloved, we're not supposed to let circumstance dictate our view of God. The exact opposite is true. And that's what Jeremiah is going to do. You know, it doesn't get any worse than what Jeremiah is experiencing. And we're going to hear Jeremiah praise God for His, His faithfulness. You know, good theology, biblical theology, it's a balm for the mind and the heart and the soul. Right thinking about God will carry you through the hard place. It's true. We must merge, Christians must merge their biblical theology into our reality. Let me ask you, will you believe Him when there is no visible reason to? This is really the essence of faith. Will you believe God is God? Will you believe God is good? Will you believe God is faithful? When it's the hardest day you can imagine, will you still believe it? 
Will you, will you be like Jeremiah? Will you praise God for His faithfulness even in the hard spot? Will you do it in 2014 when it comes? This is what real Christians do. It's not naming and claim it. Goofiness. It's I love my God in the hard spot. That's what Job is all about. God was enough for Job. At the end, it was, He was enough. Beloved, is God enough for you on the hard day? Or will you slander Him? Or will you indulge in self-pity, depression, and discouragement? Hey, we all get discouraged sometimes. But what I want to say to you is we have the remedy. The remedy is look at Jesus Christ. <laughs> look at Jesus Christ. He's our remedy. Every serious question you have, Jesus Christ is the answer, beloved. He is the answer. You may remember Psalm 81, the, the verses right after Psalm uh, 81, verse 10, verses 11 and 12 say this, but God says, but my people would not listen to my voice. They did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Oh, that my people would listen to me and would walk in my ways. There you go for 2014. That's God's exhortation to you. That you would trust Him and walk in His ways. It doesn't matter how hard it gets in 2014. And you know what? 2014 may be the biggest, it may be your best year of blessing ever. Praise the Lord, right? He's still the same God. He hasn't changed because your circumstance changed. Beloved, I want you to... We should know this as Christians, and I, I, I trust that most of you, if not all of you, do know this. Just to remind you, Jeremiah says, I'm filled with bitterness. I've forgotten happiness. My strength has perished. And I want you to notice he's talking about how he feels. You know, I, I get this a lot with folks in counseling with people. It's all about how they feel. <laughs> it, it needs to be about what we know to be true about God, ultimately. Yes, we feel things. We're, we're feeling beings. God made us that way. But the overarching truth in our circumstances, it's the fact that our God is God, our God is good, and our God is faithful. So three verses later, after talking about his bitterness and his and the fact that he's forgotten happiness and his strength has perished, we find this great verse I read to you earlier, Jeremiah 3, 21 to 23. You know, it's as bad as it can be for Jeremiah, and he says this I remember. I remember. Therefore I have hope. Don't you love it? I remember my God. I remember what my mama taught me about Jehovah God. I'm in this hard spot. It can't get any worse, but I remember, therefore I have, I have hope. He says, the Lord's loving kindnesses, they never cease. Loving kindnesses, plural, they never cease. On the hard day, they still have never ceased, beloved. For His compassions never fail. They never fail. Listen, if you need to uh, commit a verse to memory, this is a great couple of verses to commit to memory. They are new every morning. <laughs> right? God meets you every morning. 
with His faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the person who seeks Him. Jeremiah, it was as bad as it possibly could be for Jeremiah. He says, there, he says then I remembered. It's not about what he feels. It's about what he knows and believes about God. This I recall to my mind. It's right thinking. And what I want to challenge you to do in 2014 is to think rightly about God. Particularly when it gets hard. He is a faithful God. <coughs> and I want you to hear what I say. And I'm going to say this probably three more times. Jeremiah would not let his circumstance dictate his view of God. He let his view of God dictate his view of circumstance. This is a very simple thing that you need to understand as a Christian <laughs> if you're going to magnify God in the hard place. Because listen, the hard thing comes to the Christian because God, wants, God means to be seen in you. When the hard thing comes, when, when the cancer comes, when the cancer comes, you know, we're not indulging, we're not indulging in uh, bad theology. We're not going to name and claim health. We'll cry out to the Lord for health. Certainly. We'll have our, our brothers and our sisters cry out for health. But ultimately, it's in God's hands. He's a sovereign God. It's in His hands. I know it's in His hands. I trust my God whether He cures me of the cancer or not. He's still a good God. <laughs> Listen, my challenge to you in 2014 don't let your circumstance dictate your view of God, which is epidemic in what is called the modern church. Let your view of God dictate your view of circumstance. That's really what I want you to hear tonight. Paul basically said the same thing, you know. He said, I, uh, Philippians 4, 12 and 13, he says, I know how to get along in humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. He says, any... In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, having both abundance and suffering need. Paul says, I've learned the secret. What is the secret? God is the secret. God satisfies Paul's heart so much, so much, that he can take that beating. He can beat, be beaten five times with the lash and three times with the rod. God satisfies His soul so much! <laughs> it's not God, why am I being beat? It's my God satisfies me in the midst of this beating. Beloved, the world's supposed to see this in us. When the hard day comes, God has given you a megaphone to make much of Jesus. Not to whine and indulge in self-pity, we struggle. I'm not saying we don't struggle. But you must, you know, it's like the Christian looks through the hard thing. We, we don't look at it. Well, let me say it this way. We're not supposed to simply look at it. Of course, we have to deal with it, but, but, but we look through it, right? We look through it. Trusting what God is doing through it. This is what Jeremiah is doing. This is what Paul, this is how Paul lived. God invaded Paul's life. Everything changed. He quit his job. God was faithful. He left his religion. God was faithful. He got a new job. He became a missionary. God was faithful. 
He did something unprecedented no one had ever done. He planted Christian churches. God was faithful. He was beaten with the lash and with the rod. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. God was faithful. He was arrested and he stood before a king. God was faithful. He was imprisoned and God, uh, and God was faithful. He was ultimately martyred. But God was faithful. As I said last week, ain't nobody do me like Jesus. And if you really believe it, if you believe, listen, you know, if you believe that's God in a manger like we talked about last week, if you believe that's God on the cross, beloved, live like it. As I said last week, we don't just talk about it. We don't just listen to it. We do the Word. We do the Word. The men and women of Hebrews 11, they were like Jeremiah. They're like, they're like Mueller. They're like Paul. They did not allow their circumstance to dictate how they viewed or saw God. Just the opposite was true. Paul was arrested, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, ultimately martyred. And Paul says, my God is God, my God is good, my God is faithful, to live is Christ, to die is gain. <laughs> Don't you, you feel like Batman, right, when you read this stuff? Don't you feel like Batman, kind of, sort of, maybe not? Okay, I do. <laughs> I just need a cape, man. You know, I can, as we talked about last week, the people who do know their God, they shall be what? Fearless and they shall do exploits. Beloved, you've been called to do spiritual exploits. It's kind of an inside joke with the men's Bible study. We're Batman. We're spiritual Batman. So the secret of Paul and every true believer it's not how the hard circumstance makes me feel. It's how I view God through that circumstance that gives me hope. It doesn't matter how hard it is. Our hope is good. Our hope is eternal. Our hope is unfailing. God is coming to us. This is why what James says in James chapter 1, as Piper says, is not stupid. It's not stupid to count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why? Because God's coming to you in a brand new way. And you're going to know Him far better than you did before. Far better than you did before. So let me ask you, do you believe my thesis here? Do you believe what, I, what I'm saying? The next question is, will you live it in 2014? The next question is, if you're not willing to live it, Live it like uh, huge as God is calling us to do. My next question is, why not? Why not? If you really believe that you would live it, beloved, this is always the, the litmus of New Testament biblical Christianity. Let me just give you a few quick verses on God's faithfulness. You know, Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that He should lie, nor son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not make it good? God says, will I not do what I say? You'll never catch God in an unkept promise, beloved. Just, yeah, try. You never can. Deuteronomy 7.9 Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God. He's the faithful God. He keeps His promises, His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and, his, and keep His commandments. A Jewish way of saying God never doesn't keep a promise. 
Your ancestors, your progeny, your descendants can't outlive the promise of God. A thousand generations can't outlive the faithful promise of God. Psalm 36, 5, The loving kindness, O Lord, Thy loving kindness extends to the heavens. Thy faithfulness reaches to the skies. It's the Jewish way of saying it can't be measured. Your faithfulness, it can't be measured. It, it reaches to the sky. Psalm 89, 8, the Lord God of hosts, who is like Thee, O mighty Lord, Thy faithfulness surrounds Thee. Okay, God is, uh, God is omnipresent and His faithfulness surrounds Him. What's, what's, what's being said there? What's being said there? You can't get outside God's faithfulness. There's no circumstance, there's no person, there's no event outside the faithfulness of God. Psalm 146, 5-6 My hope is in the Lord God who made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them who keeps faith forever. God is everlastingly faithful. Isaiah 11.5 Righteousness will, will be the belt about His loins and faithfulness the belt around His waist. The way I think about that, I, I don't go anywhere without my belt. God doesn't go anywhere without His faithfulness. To me, it's, that's the imagery I see there. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. God cannot not be faithful to who He is. Lastly, Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Does anybody believe it? Does anybody in here believe it? Then listen. Live like you believe it. In 2014. It's like I told you last week, you're free, man. You're free. You are free. To be a disciple. You have everything that you need. I love how A.W. Pink talks about the faithfulness of God. We haven't got to the faithfulness of God with the young adults yet. It's one of my favorite chapters in that book. Far above all the finite comprehension is the unchanging faithfulness of God. Listen, He never forgets. He never fails. He never falters. He never forfeits His Word. To every promise, every prophecy, every covenant, every threatening, He will make it good. Beloved, that should impact the way you live. That should inform the way you live every day. God is faithful. Jeremiah knew it. Paul knew it. Mueller knew it. Do you know it? Will you live it? In the new year, Mueller's story is essentially not about Mueller's great faith. Tell me what it's about. Someone tell me. <laughs> it's about Mueller's great God. It's never about. It's never about us. Hebrews 11 is not about Abraham and Sarah and Noah and David. It's not about them. It's about God. It's about what God does through people who actually believe Him. That's all that's about. He's the main character. He's supposed to be the main character in your life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? God is to be the main character in your life, beloved. These Hebrews 11 guys, they were just normal people, simple people, unremarkable people, but they had a remarkable God and they believed Him. They believed Him. Many professed Christians never powerfully experienced God's promise keeping faithfulness firsthand because they live in this little space. 
I can manage this space. I'm going to live right in here. The world tells me I should live in this box. I'm going to live in this box. This is how the world says to live, right here in this box. And I live right in here. I can control everything. Or, you know, it's an illusion that I can control everything in this box. You, you can't control anything, beloved. Ultimately, you can't control anything. It's all in God's hands. It's much better to simply get out of the box and let go. Get outside the box. You know? People just, they just want to live in this little thing. You know, this is the way the world says I should live, so I'm going to live in this little thing, in this little way. Many who call themselves Christians, they never take a risk in believing and trusting God. John Piper is right. I think I shared it with you last week. The Christian life is a call to risk. Obedience will be risky. And it's always right to take the risk. The very risk, this very risk is the means by which Christ will shine more brightly in your life. Beloved, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I pray that you will own this and live this. God, God's Word proclaims that He's faithful. Church history proclaims that He's faithful. Countless Christian biographies proclaim that He's faithful. I stand here. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I tell you that God has been ever faithful in my life. And I know that many of you could give testimony that God is faithful. So listen, we have ample evidence that God is faithful. So yeah, this year, you in the world, living like your God is God, your God is good, your God is faithful. And people can see it. They can hear it. They can feel it. Because of the way that you are living. Oh yeah, we left Mueller. We left Mueller back at February 8th. Oh, you want to know what happened on February 9th? Anybody want to know? Anybody want to know? February 9th, Mueller got up. He says, I went to the orphan house to see whether the Lord had sent anything. When I arrived, I found that He had just sent help two or three minutes earlier. A brother was on his way to work this morning when the Lord put the orphans on his mind. The brother said to himself, I cannot go there. I do not have time. I will do it later. Nevertheless, he could not go on further but felt constrained to return and bring three sovereigns to the orphan house. The Lord in His faithfulness helped us. Then he says, Praise the Lord for His goodness. Praise Him that He helped us trust in Him in this trying hour. You know, that's another truth about it, beloved. He's not only going to help you in your hour of trial, He's going to help you believe that He'll help you in your hour of trial. Our faith is all grace and mercy and kindness that God gives us faith. Read your Bibles. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. So beloved, I just want to challenge you in the new year. I want you to live like you believe it. And don't let... Don't let your view of God be dictated by your circumstance. Don't do that. Don't do that in the new year. Let your view of God dictate how you view your circumstance. Don't worry. Be happy. It's a goofy little song. Don't worry. Trust God. It's how real Christians live. And so I challenge you in this new year, make much of Jesus. Good day. Hard day. Day of blessing. Day of trial. Make much of Jesus. Make much of Jesus, beloved. That's why you're here. Make much of Jesus. That's why He's left you on the planet. Make much of Jesus. That's why He, he, he has you still walking around the planet. It'd be very much better. I say it to you all the time. It'd be very much better to go and be with Him. It'd be very much better. He's left you here. 
as we talked about last week, to give a witness. Give a witness to His godness, His goodness, and His faithfulness. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for this Word. I, I, I thank You for this exhortation to, to trust You and, and obey You afresh and anew in this, in this new year, Father. Maybe to cover new ground with You in the new year. As we said last week, to, to go to new deep places with You. Father, whether it's a good day or a hard day, we would still worship You. We would still trust in You. We would still make much of Jesus. Help us, Lord. You know that we are frail. You know that we are weak. You know that we are prone to self-pity. You know that we are prone to look at the three things that are not just perfect in our life, forgetting the 100,000 things that are. We confess our sin, Lord. Help us be disciples in the new year. Help us bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank You for the gift of faith. And thank You for trying it in us, Lord. That the world may see that You are sufficient. The world may see that You are better than anything this life can give. And You are better than anything death can take. So we pray all this in the beautiful and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.